Well, good morning. We start a brand new series uh, this morning where we're trying to understand uh, how we can relate to one another in a uh, hyper-connected world that we live in with technology and, and all the stuff around it. And I've got a lot to say uh, over these next few weeks. We're going to take about six weeks here understanding how we can develop deep or depth in our relationships that we have, friendships and marriages and parent-child and co-workers, neighbors, the kind of relationships that we have around us, how we can develop depth in those. Um, but as I told the first service, um, maybe we should just have like a Buckeye support group this morning where we just kind of relax. Too soon? Too soon? Sorry. Sorry. Well, um, we still got the red. No, you don't have those either. The, uh, any, okay, never mind. Okay. Man, jeez. Thrown off the stage or something. Anyway, the, um, but we have this new series that we're trying to understand, again, depth of relationship. And our mission statement, if you, uh, if you know or if you haven't seen the metal letters out in the lobby, our mission statement is to invite people to apprenticeship to Jesus, uh, where we are learning to live by faith, we're learning to transmit hope, and we're learning to be known by love. And it's this known by love component that I want to spend the next few weeks uh, kind of developing, understanding how is it that we are known by love? What does that really mean for us? As apprentices to Jesus, how are we developing that kind of life in the relationships that we have uh, around us. And in a world that is hyper-connected with all the various devices and the various ways in which we can stay connected to each other, how do we push beyond the surface of relationships uh, and really connect with someone, really relate to someone on a, on a more uh, deep or heart level connection? How can we do that? You know, Jesus says in, in Matthew, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, he says, to love your neighbor as yourself. So as apprentices to Jesus, we are people who are learning to be known by love, by a distinct, different kind of love, where the relationships that we have, our marriage relationships, our parent-child relationships, our co-worker relationships, our friendships, uh, the neighborhood relationships are known distinctively different because of our apprenticeship to Jesus. And while we've been invited and we've been created for community, the truth is that many of us stay kind of on the surface of our relationships. And we rarely let people in to see the real us, to see the real messiness of us, to see beyond the busy schedules that we have or beyond the Facebook posts or the filtered Instagram pictures that we put up or just beyond the neatly manicured yards with the mulch and everything looking nice. We rarely let people beyond that. See, we, see, we tend to be more, or it seems to be more connected than ever. Just clicks away from people. Some of us have hundreds of people in our social media networks. Hundreds of people, and yet the world is full. And I might even say that our church is full of lonely people, isolated from one another. And we long for something more, something more rich, more deep, more meaningful, more abiding than what Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, my text messages, or anything else can give me. We, we long to relate to one another at a deeper level, which makes sense because we're told in the scriptures that we've been created for community. 
We were created for that kind of depth of relationships. We were told right at the very beginning of scriptures that it wasn't good that man was alone by himself. And so God created community to be with one another, to fulfill that deepest longing that we have to have someone know us at a heart level and that we might be able to know them without judgment or without kind of presupposition or without anything else, that we'd be able to see each other and we would be known. We're told in the very beginning of Scripture that the man and the woman were naked and they felt no shame. They were completely and utterly vulnerable before one another and they felt no shame, no comparison, no competition, no kind of one over one another, any of that kind of stuff. It was completely good. And then sin enters the world and our relationships broke and competition and shame and judgment and comparison came into each other and we hid from each other. And some of us are still hiding. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he proclaims good news that the kingdom of God is available to any and all who would receive it. And everything changes. And the possibility of restored and reconciled and redeemed relationships are available because of Christ. Everything has changed. And it's not simply about some ethereal heaven when we die kind of thing, but eternal life begins now, and relationships now are made different and made real and made deep because of Christ. And it radically impacts everything. And we are invited to be apprentices to Jesus, to learn to live our life routinely and easily the way that Jesus would live our life if he were living our life, the way he would do our life, to learn from Jesus, how to relate to others, how to have depth in our relationships, and our relationships, our parent-child, our marriages, our, our friendships, our co-working relationship, the relationships that we have around us would be marked as distinctively different because we have learned to love each other well. Our relationships would reflect the heart of Christ, a heart that is desiring and willing to draw near to others, to notice another person, to suffer alongside with, to walk with, and to love, and to love deeply. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this is the passage I want us to kind of camp on a little bit this morning. It's short, it's just a couple verses. But Jesus is talking in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, and he says this, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, it's good for us to have right theology and, and good doctrine. And it's good for us as a church to organize ourselves well and to have a, a presence in the community, to serve alongside, to have courses and classes that Pastor Jake was talking about that we have available. It's good for us to have those things, to have gatherings on Sunday mornings. But what's going to turn the world upside down, what's going to make a difference in this world is not the new programs that we have. It's not going to be in sleek worship services or in great music. It's not going to be in flashy or funny sermons that we can listen to. It's not in the many podcasts that we have on our 
iPod or on our iPhone or things that we listen to. It will be the quality of God's people learning how to love one another well as Christ loved us. And where the relationships that we have are known by a distinct kind of love. The kind of love of Christ. And there's a couple things I want us to notice in this short little passage. And we'll get some, I guess, some, some hopefully some insight as to how we might do this. The first thing we recognize is that this little passage here, this is a new command that Jesus is giving us. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, hey, if you've got a little extra time, this may be something worthwhile pursuing. He gives us a new command. He says, I'm giving you a new command. And it actually is interesting. It comes towards the end of his life. As he's gathering his disciples together, he goes, okay, listen up. I'm going to give you the nitty-gritty right here, right in this, as best as succinctly as I possibly can. Here's what you got to do. Learn to love one another as I have loved you. So you should love one another. And by that kind of distinctive love, this world is going to recognize you as my apprentices when you love one another. And he gets it down there. This is not an option that we get to just kind of toss on the side. But our relationships are to be marked by this kind of Christ-like, self-sacrificial, servanthood love. Where we are called to love. This is what we've been called to do as apprentices to Jesus. And learning to love well like this and deeply and having relationships that are beyond the surface is not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult times. We're going to have to carve out time. We're going to have to make the space. But this is what we've been invited into. It's not secondary. It's not optional. The second thing we notice in this little passage is that our relationships, if they're known by love, it demonstrates our apprenticeship to Jesus. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love others. And that demonstrates our apprenticeship or our desire to follow in the ways of Jesus, the way we love, the way we have depth of relationship. And one of the things that Jesus models for us is a willingness to know a willingness to get into the nitty-gritty, push past where very few other people would be willing to push past and to get to know us. Knowing us was at the very center of Jesus' mission. It is why he came to this earth. He put on flesh in order to dwell with us for our sake, to draw close to us, to know us, and to be known by us. So knowing was at the central part of his mission. His kind of love drove him to not stay at a distance someplace in heaven, but to draw himself into us. He didn't send us Facebook friend requests. He came and drew into our neighborhood. He he walked among us. He went to know us, to get around us, and established relationships with us that was way beyond the surface, but got to hear our hearts, and we got to see and hear his We see this all throughout Jesus' ministry, this desire to notice and to know another person. At one point in his ministry, he and his disciples are traveling along the road. They're going from Judea up to uh, Galilee. And on this journey, they got a little tired and they stopped off in the region of Samaria at this little well that's there. And his disciples decided to go on into the city to get some food because they're running out of of, uh, resources and food stuff. So they take off into the city and Jesus sits down and this Samaritan woman comes at about noontime to come to draw water. And there's all sorts of things we can talk about why she's coming at noontime. 
But suffice it to say that it was uh, a type of, she was a type of person that had a reputation and was shunned by her people. And she had to come in the middle of the day rather than the early morning when most people went and got water. But Jesus does something very interesting. He notices her. He sees her. He's not disgusted by her. He doesn't throw her reputation and back in her face. But he has a way of seeing her beyond the surface, beyond what other people saw, beyond all the various gossip and the word on the street. He was able to see her. And he recognized and he invi- initiates and engages a conversation with her. And he loves her at a heart level. And it makes an eternal impact on her life. She runs into the town and she tells other, other people, everyone she could see in the town of this person she has just met, and she asks him, could this person actually be the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the Savior? Could he actually be here? And you know what her testimony was to the people in the town? She said, come and see the one who knew all about me. That was her testimony. He knew me. He saw me. He noticed me. He wasn't disgusted. He didn't throw my reputation in my face. He didn't discard me, but he drew near and he loved and he noticed me. It wasn't the theological arguments that he had that convinced her about God's love. It wasn't his quick-wittedness and sense of humor that kind of broke down the barriers. It wasn't the airtight arguments that he kind of wrapped up and put on a nice Christian bow and gave it to her that won her heart towards God, it was because he noticed her and he heard her and he listened and he loved her well. That made all the difference. That made all the difference. And we've said it before here and I'll continue to say it, that people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And they don't know how much you care unless you slow down enough to notice them. To push beyond the idle small talk and actually hear their heart. To look them in the eye undistracted without your cell phone going off, without your devices spinning around your head, but to look them in the eye with no distractions and where you find out what's really driving their heart, what's gripping them with fear, and you hear them. And you hear them. If there's anything that we see over and over and over in the life of Jesus, it is his ability to notice other people. Others would have just glossed right past them or have seen who they were and turned the other way. But Jesus has a way of noticing them. Noticing them. And in a hyper-connected world like we live in, people are starving to be noticed by you. And I may be even as bold to say that there's someone that you currently have a relationship with, someone in your relationship circle who is starving to not be talked to, to not be talked about, but someone in your relationship circle who's starving for you to simply notice and to hear them. One of the major reasons why our relationships stay on the surface is because we have simply not allowed the time or the space to really notice. We are just way too distracted. And our relationships suffer. Our marriages, our friendships, 
our parent-child relationships suffer because of our constant and utter barrage of distractions after another, after another. When someone spends unhurried, uninterrupted time to listen to your heart, not in order to respond to an argument or to kind of formulate their own opinion and just kind of give it back to you, but to really spend time to listen and to understand your heart and what's going on. It's like breathing pure oxygen for the very first time. I had an extraordinary opportunity a few times to be in a room with uh, a spiritual mentor, Dallas Willard, who is a brilliant theologian, philosopher, way smarter than I am, way smarter than I am. And I was in awe of just about everything he said. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the things I understood that he said, because he spoke at a level that I could not always understand. But I was in awe of everything that he said. But what attracted me more to him and why I wanted to spend more and more of my time and every opportunity I got to be in a room with him, I jumped at it and I cleared my schedule and I made this room to be around him was because of the way he listened to us. He said during one of the first meetings that I had with him, I was sitting there with my laptop and I'm like slamming away, just getting everything I can, just typing up everything I possibly can. He said in one of these meetings, he said, I'm not here uh, to just drop a load and go take a nap. I want to be here with you. So let's talk. And he did. He spent way longer times after our sessions were over. He stayed up way late into the evening and amidst of his busy schedule and speaking engagements and, and really important smart people that he could meet with, he wanted to spend that weekend with little schmucks like me that don't know anything. And he st- stayed longer, way long, into the middle of the night with just a small group of us listening to us, leaning in and hearing us. He demonstrated a way for us that was simply a way of drawing us in. It was very Christ-like. He had a way of listening that he'd lean in, and it was like you and him were the only people in the entire world. In this relatively crowded conference room that we were sitting in, and I would ask him some dumb question and he would lean in and he would say I'm so grateful that you asked that and he would talk to me as if I was the most important person and my opinion and my stuff was so important he had a way of drawing us in it was very Christ-like I wonder if you have an experience like that where someone has really heard you no distractions no cell phones buzzing no oh just a second oh yeah what were you saying again but really heard you I wonder if you've had an experience like that. And I wonder if the people in your sphere of relationships would say that you are the kind of person that really hears and notices well. And I want to suggest this morning that there's a relationship that you have, a spouse relationship, a friendship, a neighbor, a coworker, a parent-child relationship. There is a relationship in your current sphere of relationships that needs, they need the gift of you noticing them. And someone in your life needs the gift of you looking them in the eye, undistracted, and really hearing them. Really hearing them. And as apprentices to Jesus, we need to learn to love each other in this way, to push beyond the quick, hey, how you doing? What's going on? How's your day going? All those kind of things. And to really hear each other, to really do it. You know, there's a difference between listening and hearing. 
You know, listening is like I, I heard the audible things coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I, I, I listen to you. And hearing engages my heart and engages my emotions, engages my whole body, and I'm able to hear you. I'm able to suffer alongside you. I'm able to put myself with you. I'm able to put myself in your situation and to be near you. Jesus had an extraordinary way of hearing. And his apprentices are called to hear people, to notice. It made a difference in the woman at the well. In Samaria, it made a difference in the other people that Jesus came along with. And I wonder how it will make a difference in the life of the person that you can listen to and hear. Really listen. But there's a third thing I want us to notice in this short little passage, and that is that our love for one another is a way of attracting others to God. Is a way of attracting others. See, the implication of this passage, this little verse here, is that the way in which we love each other will be visible and observable by other people. I mean, being a warm and inviting place on Sunday morning is good. We ought to have services that are inviting and welcoming people all the time. We, I mean, if we want to be an inviting kind of place. Our mission statement is to invite people to apprenticeship to Jesus. So we want to do that all the time. But if our love for one another stays within the walls of the church, then it's not visible and observable. If our love for one another is to be patterned after the life of Christ, then our love for one another will spill outside into the whole rest of our life where we are to love others as Christ has loved us. And if we just take the example of Jesus with this woman in Samaria, he models for us a kind of life and a kind of love that is characterized by action. He goes to her, he listens, he asks questions, he notices her. He drew close to her. He initiated conversation. He engaged with what was really going on at her heart level. He wasn't distant and disgusted and wrote her off. There were cultural boundaries that could have separated them, but Jesus went right past those. He crossed those cultural boundaries and he noticed the value in her and he loved her well. He wasn't repulsed. And he created space to hear, to hear her. I think about the relationships around us and in this hyper-connected world that we live in. There's at least a couple things I think about. And the first thing is that how desperate our world is for the love of Jesus. How desperate people are to experience and hear and to see the love of Jesus. Hate comes way too easily to people these days. And we are so busy talking past one another. We are so busy lobbying verbal grenades at one another that we have little room to actually hear one another. To actually hear what's beyond, what's underneath that person and what's really driving them. We're so busy talking past one another, so busy with our own agendas to kind of produce on there. And our world is so desperate for apprentices of Jesus who would be willing to learn to relate well and to notice and to hear and to follow the example of Jesus and push beyond cultural barriers and to learn to hear someone and to learn to engage with someone and to learn to have depth of relationships that is distinctively different. Our world is desperate for the love of Jesus like this. Well, the second thing that I can see 
that I think about, at least as it relates to our hyper-connected world, that we can't do this on our own. We just simply can't. It's going to take a concerted effort on our part for sure, but it's going to have to be empowered by the Spirit of God in order to have the power that it needs, in order to grow our hearts to have deep and abiding and rich relationships, to learn to love one another as Christ has loved us. It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I truly believe that He wants this. I believe that he wants us to learn to love each other well and learn to have relationships that are deep and meaningful and where we can hear from one another. I believe that's his heart, and so he is going to need to empower us to do it. So what do we do? In such a hyper-connected world where we've got thousands of friends on social media, when we post something and we get hundreds of likes right away and we filter ourselves so we look perfect on the outside, how do we foster deep relationships with one another. And the first thing I'm going to suggest may seem elementary and kind of trivial for some of us, but trust me, it's not. It's not. The first thing we need to do is pray. We need to ask the Lord to grow our heart and and to develop our heart for one another, to learn to love that we start with the relationships that we currently have and that we ask God to give us the eyes to see those relationships the way he sees them. That we ask God to open our hearts to grow our relationships deeper. That he would grant us that gift. So we pray, God, would you open our eyes? And the second thing we do is we take a risky step and we become vulnerable and we invite someone into our story. We join a life group this fall. They're starting up this fall. We're starting new ones all the time. And we would love to get you connected into a place where you can be known by someone, where you can relationally connect with another, some, another person in the church and be able to grow in your life with Christ, where you can be known by someone and you can know them in return. And some of us have been standing on the sidelines for some time and kind of coming to the larger gatherings of the church, but we haven't yet kind of div- dived into uh, community or into deep relationships here at Crossroads. And I just want to invite us to take a step this fall, to mark on your communication card or come up and talk to me after the service or, or shoot the, the church an email. Let us know and we'll try to get you connected as best we can with a life group where you can begin to learn to know someone And they can know you, where you can open your heart and relationally connect with another person. We'd love to connect to you, and let us know how we can do that with you. Well, a third thing is something we're going to try and do together as a church over these next five or six weeks during this series. A little experiment in relationships that we're going to try. And we've got these cards in the back of the room on the two tables back there, these little small cards. And here's what I'm going to ask you us all to do for the next five or six weeks. Choose a relationship that you currently have, that you would like to see grow deeper, that you would like to see depth in that relationship, and commit to have one uninterrupted conversation where you can hear them, and you can share your heart, and you can be heard by them. One uninterrupted conversation a week with someone. And there's no time restraint on it. It could be five minutes. It could be five hours. I know some people that are already doing this in their life, and they're doing it with some of their uh, teenagers, and sometimes it's like three seconds. And sometimes that's enough. You just got to get in there and start baby steps. So there's no time frame there. But resist the temptation to over-talk during these little conversations. 
ask some questions and then listen and seek to hear what's underneath their answer. And find out what a difference it may make in your relationship to put aside your cell phone. And if you got one of those fancy smart watches that buzzes when you get a text message, you got to take that off too because that's distracting too. Yes, you got to take that off. Cell phones are away, the TV is off, the computer's away, the smart watches are off, everything's off. And you look someone else in the eye and you ask them a question and you hear their heart and just see what might happen in your relationship and where it may go and how God may be shifting and changing your own heart as you learn to prioritize hearing another person. Not just listening to the things that they say, but you learn to hear them and you prioritize noticing them. So find one person that you can commit to, one uninterrupted, slow conversation that you can hear their heart. We have these cards, and they've got some questions that might help you because some people are going, that sounds great, but what do I start with that? What, what do I say? What do I do? So i got some questions to start with. And just as a little side note, this little tip, you know, tricks of the trade for you when you're doing these things, probably not a good idea to bring your card with you to those conversations and say, so how have you been? No, just... Use these questions to kind of spark a a conversation and discussion with you. And I'd love to hear your experience with it. What has been going on? When you engage in these conversations, what are you learning about yourself? What are you learning about other people? What are you learning about relationships? So send me an email. Let me know how things are going over these next few weeks. We'd love to share some stories about how God is deepening the relationships that we have in the church and even around that, that people may know us as apprentices to Jesus because of the way we love one another, the way we notice and hear and spend some time together. Well, it's good for us to come to the communion table this morning to be reminded and to recall the gift of Christ to us, that the ultimate mark of God's love for us is that he would send Jesus for us that he would suffer for us, that he would be raised to life for us, and that he would seal victory for us, and he would establish for us a new creation, a new life, and that his kingdom will come.